Welcome back to Coming Up for Air with hosts Dominique Simone Levine, Laurie McDougall, and Kayla Solomon. This podcast is produced with love by the Allies and Recovery team in solidarity with our listeners. Come in and sit with us for conversations on the most pertinent topics for families navigating a loved one's addiction. We created this podcast along with the learning modules and discussion blog in support of you. We salute the work you are doing and your dedication to helping your loved one find a way through. And now, coming up for air. Hi, everyone. This is Laurie McDougall back on Coming Up for Air. I'm sitting here with my lovely co-hosts, Kayla Solomon. Good morning, Kayla. Good morning, everyone. And Dominique Simone Levine. Hi, Dominique. Good morning. We have a special podcast that we're recording this morning, and I'm going to let Dominique kind of take it over because it was her idea. All right. Thank you. Yeah. A lot of times we get very long questions for our blog posts and we set out to answer them in a very thoughtful, measured, tailored way to, to your situation. And that's what you can get if you send in a question. Other times we'll get a two sentence question and that's all the information we have pretty much. So I'm wondering how each of you would would pursue the line of questioning based on what we've got to work with here and how we might start to answer the question. So I have two, I was hoping to have like five for half an hour, but I have two, let's see how long each of these take. So the first one was brought in by the spouse, her husband, his husband, her husband, I'm not sure, uses a debit card to buy booze on his way home from work. And so like three times out of five, maybe the not every time possibly, but here I am guessing it would be one of my questions, but he buys booze with the debit card. So she has taken the debit card away. She and her husband agreed that she would hold the debit card and now, and now he wants it back. Can I, can I start with my thoughts? Questions first. What, what do you need to be a little more informed? Well, one, I'd like to read the actual question. I like to read the actual question because within the question itself and how it's written often tells me a lot of what the person asking the question is thinking. And so the first thing that I know from listening to this is that the wife or the husband has this belief that if their loved one can just control the debit card and keep from going to the liquor store to buy the alcohol, that things will get better. And is an attempt at controlling the husband that's buying the alcohol, it's an attempt at controlling their behavior. So those are things that I picked up from that. And that's gonna probably guide me in a lot of my answer to this particular person. Kayla, you want to take it? Yeah, well, I I always answer questions with questions now that I'm thinking of this. So the first question that I have is I would be asking the husband why. Why does he want the card back? Because I feel like if we're talking about craft, then we're talking about communication and you want to engage in a conversation, but only when the person is is actually sober, because if not, then you're just dealing with an argument. If he's asking her for it back when he's drinking already, then there's no answer there. That's an absolute no. But I would be, I would say to the husband, I would have 
or ask him, all right, talk to me. What are you thinking? Why do you want it back? What's changed in terms of why what we decided about? And I also believe in you keep going back to we decided, we agreed, we talked about this because all of us in relationships feel this way is we make a decision and then we forget that we were had a part of that decision because it feels like the other person did this to us. When we're upset, we're like, you did this to me. And so the big issue here is reminding him that we made this decision. And I would say, do you remember why we decided to do this? So another question, because you keep putting it back on him as opposed to you're like, nope, not doing it. We decided this. Nope, 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 nope. And that's a closed conversation. You want to go back to a conversation where you engage in why this happened and then keep asking him questions like what's changed and what's making you feel like it's different right now. And so I I just keep going into questions. It's more and more questions to him about why he wants it, what's going on, what's different, what's changed, and does he have any concern? And what happens if it happens again? Because that's the other thing you want to build in. Because if by some chance you give it back to him, then he needs to come up with the consequences if this happens again. I also think now remember that we actually don't have access to either one of them. If we're answering this question and it comes in as an email, we don't really have access to that person to like ask questions. I mean, maybe, maybe if we email them back or or we do that kind of thing. But I also think that it's really important this, (laughs) it's really important for the wife or the husband, not the person that's struggling with the alcohol, but the person that took the debit card. It's important to understand that if you set up a situation like that, you should think about the consequences of what's going to happen in the future if he wants the card back, right? Because to me, this kind of setup of, oh, I'll take the debit card and then, you know, yeah, yeah, you take the debit card and then that'll just keep me from going in and buying alcohol, right? It's setting everybody up for failure. It's setting the husband up for failure and the significant other up for failure at all at the same time. And it's not getting at the root of the problem. And the root of the problem is why is the husband struggling with alcohol? That's what needs to be addressed, not the debit card and going in and buying the alcohol. But the debit card is a is a tactic and it was one they had agreed they had agreed to. And Kayla makes, you're both making very good points, but Kayla made the point about, did his drinking go up or go down? We don't know. Did it, was there some success? But now he wants the card back. He is an adult. It is his money. That was the one thing I forgot to mention at the end of the email. For me, it's, this was a nice little experiment. Okay. It's still an experiment. You did well without having the card, yet you want the card back. So, okay. This is the next part of the experiment. And what do we do if it doesn't work? What do you want to do next if it doesn't work? Um, Because now you're really partnering with the person who's in the process of trying a tactic to reduce their use. And so you want to partner with that. You want to go, okay, let's try. It's it's probably one of those not big enough changes. And he's going to learn that because he's already feeling inconvenienced and the card, he needs it for other things, which is the reason, right? He he might want it back, but we all know what is going to end up that card being used for. So for me, it's about, okay, that's what you want to do. 
just let me know, you know, how did it go and how are you going to not buy booze with the card going forward? And what do we do if you do? Well, and and the one thing I want to add is we talked about this in the group, which I thought it was really interesting, is to see this process, to see craft as working collaboratively with your loved one. And that's what you're describing, Dominique, which is that it's not, you know, absolutes. It's not that you're making commandments about this. It's that you're working with the person and it's more back and forth of, you know, okay, that's interesting. Let's talk about that. How did it go? So that they're getting a chance to think about their behavior as well and not just you're making announcements. And if they don't want to talk about their behavior, you tell them about yours. I, it feels to me that things have been better. I, I like that you're making efforts at reducing your use. So uh, you want the card back? Okay, let's, you know, I don't need the details. And maybe they don't want to tell me the details. And I have just nothing but my observations to tell me as the family member whether or not this is working. And so you put your little functional analysis, your questions, you know, is the removal of the card leading to less use? And you're using all your observation skills and your identification of symptoms, everything you know about his patterns of use to say, no, he's coming home without having bought something on the ride home and drank it. I'm pretty sure I'm going to go with that. It's looking like five days, seven days, 10 days seems to be going well. Uh, I saw some signs, so not going to say anything. Looks like that day was a using day. Okay, so, you know, just this is the stance and the distance and the, the neutrality with which you want to view the situation as best you can. I get it. It's, it's your mate. It's, your, it's his job. It's driving. It's, there's a lot of problems here that we could go into. But right now, we could focus on this. Can I move on to the next one? Before we move on to the next one, just one thing. I want to kind of bring up the perspective of that that spouse or the family member in a situation like this. When I get a question like this or I can hear the angst in the significant others in that post, the angst and the the push and pull and the not knowing what to do and how to and it's because I strongly believe that what you said, Dominique, speaks to that, that it's okay, you've created this, uh, you've come to this agreement with your significant other that you're going to hold the debit card. There probably wasn't a whole lot of discussion beforehand of what if he wants that debit card back? What, you know, what are you going to do? And understanding, trying to understand what is my response if he does want the debit card back and this feeling like, well, I had control over the debit card. This was going so well. I don't want it to stop. I just know they're going to take it. They're going to buy alcohol, right? And this whole rolling effect. But I think, Dominique, you addressed it perfectly where it's like, well, no, it's not a, I'm in control of the situation. It's a, we're working and collaborating together and I'm not going to fight you on it. If you want the card back, I'm going to give you the card back and we'll just see how it goes. And I'm still going to have faith that you can have success in your pursuit of reducing your alcohol. But if that doesn't happen, I'm going to recognize that you're battling with it. You're struggling with it. So what can we do next, right? What is the next step in this process? And getting that significant other to calm it down, calm that internal stuff down so that you could respond 
in a more loving, compassionate and connecting way. You might even smile because, you know, a week later he shows back up and just hands you the card back. Yeah, never know. That's all you may know, but the card comes back because of your, the way you, you chose to present yourself and to relate left the opening that, you know, he doesn't have to feel like the whole world's falling apart. Just a little sheepish. Here comes the card. Yup. Yup. Can't have the card. So that's a great short response to a short question. (laughs) I have one more, which also came in this week. This is from a woman who's done some craft work with us and is helping a tenant who lives on her property and has been for a long time, very chronic drinker. And he just got out of two months in jail for some old charge. And she, the best that they ever had done together was he would take a drug uh, medication that would reduce his use. And that was going well. And she had managed that with Kraft as just a friend, just somebody who drops in and says hello. And so you, if you want to read about her, it's quite interesting what she's been able to do. But now she's picking him up from jail. He's been two months there, old charge. He will be stone cold sober. Sorry, that is just the way it's going to feel, too. It's, it's two months without use. And so she's picking him up from jail. It's a nine-hour drive. She would very, very much like, and you can read it between the lines, that he is taking this opportunity to keep going in his world of sobriety. But she's pretty sure he's going to want to stop and have a drink with dinner, and it's going to be all back to the races again. So what does she do on that nine hours? Nine hours on the ride? On the nine hours on the ride. Make sure you play good music. That's a long ride. I would also, I would accidentally have a specific podcast playing. <laughs> accidentally. You know, I do have some thoughts, some approaches that she might want to take just to kind of have on hand. There's a couple of things I can think of off the top of my head, like packing a lovely picnic, scoping out rest areas that have picnic tables right? And saying, hey, you know, um, I really want to get back to where we're going. So, you know, and maybe forewarning ahead of time, maybe getting the opportunity if she has to talk to him uh, and let him know ahead of time. It's a long drive. We're not going to be stopping. I am packing a wonderful dinner. Do you have any requests? You know, I'll get some, I'll make some fried chicken or, you know, whatever it is. What would you have? What would you like with that chicken? Or and ha- and scope out rest areas that she can stop at, and they can eat, and you know, sit and relax and talk. But then get back in the car and just kind of do some kind of forewarning that we're just driving straight through and we're going to get home. Just a quick thing is, I would add a triple chocolate cake to the picnic. You really want to load up the sweets. You know, it's not coincidence that you walk into an AA meeting anywhere in the world, and there's cookies on the back table. If you've come to a wealthy enough meeting, they can afford cookies. And that's because sugar stops craving. It's very helpful. And people that have stopped drinking tend to have their sugar come back up as the next thing they have to kind of manage. So uh, chocolate cake would be my choice. I also believe that part of what people miss are the rituals of using And so one of my clients did this amazing thing. He was in recovery from alcohol and 
he missed the end of the day, getting the drinks ready, you know, having the cocktails out and sitting with his friends. And so what he did was he wound up buying this amazingly fabulous lemon presser and he became a lemonade aficionado. And trust me, I'm a, I love lemonade. It was the best lemonade I ever had. And so he then makes it all the time. And then what he does is he offers it to his friends when they're with him. And he's at the point now where people could drink around him, but the lemonade is this very special prize winning, you know, moment where instead of like you feel ripped off because you don't have the alcohol, you're doing this lovely thing. And it's so satisfying that it actually fills that need. So replacement is very important in this process, which is what the cake is, which is what the lovely picnic is. It's you creating something in place of something that the other person might be wanting. You're celebrating the release as opposed to just stopping and getting a hamburger on the road. And if you do stop for, make sure it's a diner. I, I suggested thinking about, you know, making sure there were a couple restaurants that didn't serve alcohol along the route that you secretly have in mind. And I wanna talk a little bit about uh, the fact that she had engaged him to get medication for the alcohol prior to, and, and that she would very much like him to start that again. And I, I would imagine that that's good low hanging fruit. It was working. He was on it. It was helping him drop his use to from 25 down to 10 drinks a day. And so I wonder if, um, if she has, I don't know how far into his affairs she goes, but if she has the name of the doctor, the phone number, would there be somebody that she could, they could call and get a refill going at the drugstore upon their arrival. Um, he would have to agree to this. He would have to have brought it up, was my other point, is I don't think it's a time to have a big, serious conversation about what are you going to do when you get home about the alcohol, but you're going to watch his signs. And if there's any opening, you might talk about how how much you enjoyed seeing him become more friendly, more outgoing, the great conversations you've, you've had with him when he was reducing those drinks down to 10. And, you know, what do you think about going back on that medication? It would be that informal. And then you would have the phone number and you would pull over and you would say, look, you know, let's give him a call and get that drug started again, since it, it's probably, you know, something like an Eltrexon, which, which helps against cravings for alcohol, something like that. Let's get it going again. So we have it for your return. Just to add to that piece, which I think is fabulous, is to really describe what you miss about not having them around. It's like, I miss our great conversations. I miss that if I have something that I need, I could come to you and ask you for help. You know, you want to build the person up. You want to build him up because he's feeling like dirt coming out of the prison. And, you know, a lot of times we're dealing with low self-esteem. So, while he's clean, you do the building. It's like, I missed you. I missed your companionship. I missed being able to hang out and ask you questions. I met, you know, my, my sink broke and you weren't there. When you're sober, you are such an important part of my life. And, you know, my only concern is that if you go back to what you were doing, then I'm going to miss you again, even if you're upstairs. Um, and I don't want to have to lose you again. You know, I really, it matters to me that you're back. And one last thing about uh, the treatment is most jails now 
have aftercare clinicians helping people refer them to programs that they're going to hopefully use when they've been released back to the community. So he should be prepared with something, some referrals. Um, he may not tell her that. It may not be that kind of jail. I mean, I've worked in very good jail. I've worked in Western Mass at Ludlow and, and it's um, nobody left without a, a pretty serious plan. And if it was opiates with access to medication assisted treatment, not so much for alcohol. So I'm not sure he would have gotten the naltrexone to prepare him for discharge or release from jail, which would be the next smart thing to do. But, um, and that's what we're doing with um, opiate folks coming out of jail. So depending on the jail he was in, he might have some plans, some ideas, and you could, with a little open listening, maybe get him to talk about that too on the ride home. What are your thoughts on of trying to strike up a conversation? Let's say the system that he's in does offer medicine-assisted treatment. What about opening up that conversation and saying, I know that, that they don't often offer this, but is it something you could talk to someone in the prison with? about leaving prison and having a prescription on hand before you get home until we can set up an appointment with someone. What do you think of that? That might've been something to suggest, suggest while he was still in jail prior to the ride home. They have not been letting her talk to him because of COVID. So I don't understand how the mechanism is, but she comes at this with not much more information than, than we have from her note. To me, car rides are the best environment for having a real conversation. It's such a great opportunity. I mean, everybody who has an adolescent knows this because you're not looking at each other. It's low stakes. You have nine hours. You don't have to talk the whole time. But, you know, what was it like in there? I mean, you know me. I love questions. And so it's like, what went well in prison? What was bad about it? How do you think you wound up there? You know, what would you do differently? And then it's just like, what's your story? What's your thoughts about your alcohol when you get out? Like, what are you thinking? Are you thinking you're going to be sober? Are you thinking that you want to use again? What are you thinking? And just have a conversation without judgment. And again, that with all the conversations that we talk about, it's not about saying, oh, that's a terrible idea, or you can't do that, or I'm not going to be your friend anymore. It's more about getting information and letting the person hear what they're saying so that they're putting their thoughts together. So those were our two prompts for today. I think it was a great idea, Dominique. I loved this idea. I love this recording today. So Kayla, why don't you give us a summary of what we talked about? And, uh, and we'll be back next week. I can't remember the first one. <laughs> first one was um, the debit card. The debit card. Oh, I guess the theme is that with all of the our interactions with these people that we care about, we need to be open and not make decisions for them and engage in conversation and really think about, is there a way that we could discuss how to react to their behavior with them while they're sober? That to me is the theme here. It's like you're talking about like how in advance you could say, okay, if this happens, what, what do I do? What do you want from me at that point? So that everything is an opportunity to really open up discussion and collaboratively work with the person so that you are not making demands or commands for their behavior, but that you're working with them. Thank you, Kayla. Just one thing before we go, I wanna uh, just wanna let all of our listeners know 
that we have a challenge going on. If you listen to or watch half, uh, do half of the modules in the e-learning center in 10 days, you get a free five-hour training, a one-day training. Chris, I'm moving to Lori's house. <laughs> Join me. Just go to the website, check it out, check out our challenge and see if you have the opportunity to take advantage of it. So thank you, ladies. And we will be back again next week. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. We hope this episode of Coming Up for Air spoke to you. If you're listening in today on a podcast platform that isn't the Allies member site, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating. This helps others find the show more easily. If you have a suggestion for a new topic or a guest for the show, please reach out through the Contact Us form on alliesinrecovery.net. Special thanks to our hosts, our guests, and our production team.